From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. Speaking up when you see something wrong is too hard in Australia. People who've spoken up about corporate fraud, dodgy government deals and even people who've exposed war crimes have faced life-altering consequences. But now, for the first time, there's a place dedicated to whistleblowers that can offer them support to bring the truth to light for the rest of us. Today, lawyer at the Human Rights Law Centre of Australia and contributor to the Saturday paper, Kieran Pender, on how we can help the people who expose wrongdoing. It's Monday, September 11. Kieran, when we think about whistleblowers, people probably think of, you know, high-profile, sensational cases that get a lot of media attention. But most of the time when someone blows the whistle, it's not really that at all, is it? I think people do gravitate in their mind to those high-profile cases, the Edward Snowdens of the world. And, And right now in Australia, we have two whistleblowers on trial for telling the truth about government wrongdoing, David McBride, the defence whistleblower, Richard Boyle, the tax office whistleblower. But they're just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, at any time someone could be at work, you know, someone listening to this podcast might go into work today and see something wrong and want to speak up about it. No one really sets out to become a whistleblower. You know, I've dealt with hundreds of whistleblowers in my time And they think they're doing the right thing by speaking up. And they might Mm. speak up to their boss or another manager. You know, if things are really wrong, maybe they go to a regulator. And then if nothing happens, as a worst-case scenario, maybe they go public. Whistleblowers have been responsible for some huge stories in Australia in recent years. Dubious debt collection practices in the tax office, the Afghanistan files, the bugging of East Timor's government, and dodgy sales of banknote technology owned by the Reserve Bank of Australia. Now, in theory, we have laws that are supposed to protect whistleblowers that prevent all of those negative consequences. Uh, Unfortunately, we know that's not working. And in reality, too many of our whistleblowers in Australia are suffering as a result. The laws aren't working to protect them. And as a result, people are staying silent. Yeah. And what kind of consequences are people facing when they blow the whistle? What kind of suffering are you referring to? The cost of courage can be huge. We know there's empirical studies that show as many as six, seven, or even eight in 10 whistleblowers suffer some form of detriment at work after they speak up. We see that in the data, in the numbers, but then we also see it in the really human cases. So someone like Troy Stoltz, who blew the whistle on a failure to take action on money laundering at Clubs New South Wales... Troy Stolls worked for Clubs New South Wales as a compliance auditor and claims drug syndicates deposit large amounts into poker machines, then cash their money out soon after. This is quite alarming, the amount of money that is being laundered through clubs and pubs in Australia, let alone New South Wales. Uh, He blew the whistle to journalists and to Andrew Wilkie MP. Clubs New South Wales sued him and he uh, faced hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. He was on the edge of bankruptcy all the while fighting cancer. Ultimately, that case settled. Having paid over a million dollars in legal fees, which cost him his house, last month, Troy Stoll settled with Clubs New South Wales. 
Since then, he's stopped criticising his former employer. That, that's a really grim bad? example of someone who called out wrongdoing and yet the person who told us that clubs New South Wales knew about the wrongdoing and didn't take action, he was on the hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars in clubs' legal fees. You know, I've had the fortune of working with many whistleblowers and it can be really devastating to hear from these people, really heart-wrenching to see people who thought they were doing the right thing and despite thinking that the law was on their side, that the public interest was on their side, they're the ones suffering as a result. So as a result of all of that at the Human Rights Law Centre, we did some research, we looked at this whistleblowing framework. We've had these laws in place for decades now that were supposed to protect whistleblowers, supposed to empower them to speak up. You know, the whole idea of these laws were if people suffer as a result of their whistleblowing, they can get their compensation, they can get their job back, they can get an apology. Uh, across all of the whistleblowing laws, you know, we looked at over 20 different laws across you know more than three decades only one successful case. Mm. And then that whistleblower only got $5,000, which doesn't seem like much. Yeah, right. And so there are laws, obviously, as we've been talking about. And how are they meant to work? Because I assume, you know, they have some kind of framework that says you can't punish someone for exposing wrongdoing or, you know, a wrong in the workplace. So why are they actually failing in this way? Yeah, so the, the laws are really clear on paper that if you speak up about wrongdoing in the right channels, it's illegal to take action against you for doing that. And if you do face action, not only is it a crime to take uh, detrimental action against whistleblowers in many circumstances, the whistleblower can seek legal action to get compensation, to get other remedies. And all of the evidence shows that most recently this review of all the cases we've done, the fact that we've got whistleblowers on trial for telling the truth they're too technical, they're too complex, they have all these loopholes and inconsistencies, and whistleblowers can't get access to the support they need. There is not a dedicated body to protect and empower whistleblowers. There's very little legal support, psychological support available to these people, and as a result, they're suffering. And to me, I thought the contrast was really stark. Just recently, we saw an example in the United States where a whistleblower spoke up about wrongdoing at a consultancy, a, a firm that was ripping off the U.S. government in the defence sector. That's when Feinberg says she began a campaign to convince her bosses to put a stop to it. It made me very upset as a taxpayer. It made me very upset as a Marine officer. I saw how limited our resources were. After that firm ultimately settled with the government in the U.S. for almost $400 million U.S., and the whistleblower got a cut of that. Feinberg's $40 million share landed in her family's bank account a few weeks ago. The U.S. has really led the world here in terms of schemes to encourage whistleblowers to speak up, a recognition that even compensation schemes are not enough because too often whistleblowers can never work in their chosen sector again. And so these reward schemes in the U.S., these schemes that allow whistleblowers to take legal action on behalf of the government... It's created a whole ecosystem of lawyers in the US that are effectively corruption fighters, seeking out fraud against the taxpayer and bringing lawsuits on behalf of whistleblowers to crack down. US government has recovered billions of dollars through that that they might not otherwise have done because brave whistleblowers and lawyers work to get that money back for the taxpayer. I think if we look around now and we see all of these great initiatives in other countries, we realise that Australia is falling behind. We're not protecting whistleblowers. And that's really bad for our democracy. 
Coming up after the break, will the government act on whistleblower protection? For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Kieran, you mentioned that when it comes to protecting people who speak out against their employers and expose things like corruption in the workplace, there's countries that do it better than Australia. You know, the US was one example that you mentioned. What other overseas examples are worth learning from? We've also seen in other countries, um, in places like Ireland, in places like Serbia, civil society has really come to the aid of whistleblowers. We've got really well-established legal services in those countries I mentioned and in places like France and across Africa. There's a really fantastic NGO that does a lot of work in a number of different African jurisdictions providing no-cost or low-cost legal support to whistleblowers. So what we have known from all of this global experience is the laws only work in practice, not just on paper, when people can get access to the support they need. They need lawyers in their corner because we think about the power imbalance here. You know, a whistleblower is taking on the might of a company, a might of a government. They need people in their corner, on their side, providing with them support and Unless there's ways for that support to be offered, low cost or no cost, whistleblowers find themselves alone. So that's a huge gap in Australia that at the Human Rights Law Centre we've been working to fix and we recently launched our whistleblower project to do just that. Yeah, and can you explain more about what that project is and what you're hoping to achieve? We just launched our whistleblower project in the last few weeks to provide legal advice and representation to whistleblowers in Australia, in addition to continuing our proud history of law reform and advocacy to ensure that the climate is better for whistleblowers who speak up. We want to help people bring wrongdoing into the public domain so we can have accountability and we can have justice. And already we've been helping a number of people and we've been inundated with inquiries since we launched, which is both exciting and kind of terrifying, the <laughs> right. level of wrongdoing that mm. is out there that's currently going unaddressed because people don't have the support to speak up. Mm. I'm wondering what some of the people that have come to you in the, you know, since the launch of the project wanting to blow the whistle or have blown the whistle, what are they telling you? What kind of reservations do they have about coming forward? How do they grapple with the task on their shoulders, which is exposing something and bringing something to light? I'd say watch this space. Um, we'll have more, you know, hopefully we can help people bring this information into the public domain. Obviously, I can't say too much, but I think what's coming through and what we've heard so far is this real need for support, both legal support and then sort of a broader form of support, support you know, at a, a psychological level, mm. at a career level, 
we had a launch event for our, our project in Sydney and Jeff Morris, the ComBank whistleblower who sparked the Royal Commission into banking, he said he hears from whistleblowers all the time. He doesn't sugarcoat his advice to them. He talks to them about the impact it's had on his life, the toll it took. And he says, you know, at the end of that process, maybe one in a hundred speak up. Mm. Imagine what we don't know because only one in a hundred are speaking up. Imagine if we can change that and make it, you know, one in 50, one in 10. If we could normalise speaking up about wrongdoing and decrease, lower the cost of courage, imagine the better Australia we'd be in where wrongdoing was addressed, there was accountability, there was justice and there was change. Kieran, the government is going ahead with the prosecution of whistleblowers. You know, we've mentioned the cases of David McBride and Richard Boyle. They're both facing jail time. Do you think this government and the Attorney General will listen to what you're saying? Will they establish better protections at a legal level? I hope so. Those cases have a chilling effect on whistleblowing in Australia, and it's really important that they are ended in one way or another. Beyond that, the government talks a good talk on whistleblowing reform. Uh, the Attorney General, Mark Dreyfus, KC, he enacted the federal public sector whistleblowing law a decade ago. Uh, he said the right things. He intervened to end the Bernard Collieri whistleblowing case last year. Those were all good steps, but now we need to see concrete action. We're going to continue our work calling for reform, calling for comprehensive, robust reform that ensures these laws actually work in practice. And a key part of that reform agenda is the establishment of a whistleblower protection authority. So unlike in other areas, you know, if you're being underpaid at work, you can go to the Fair Work Ombudsman. Mm. If you're being harassed or discriminated against at work, there are human rights commissions across state and federal level that, um, you know, oversee and enforce those laws. We have nothing like that in the whistleblowing space. I'm an optimist at heart, and I believe that we can have a better Australia where whistleblowers are protected and empowered, not punished and prosecuted. But it's going to need effort from all of us. We're committed to playing our part through the Whistleblower Project, and we hope the government steps up too. Kieran, thanks so much for your time. Thanks. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news today, the world's most powerful leaders met at the G20 summit in Delhi over the weekend. But with Ukraine on the agenda... Russian President Vladimir Putin and China's President Xi Jinping skipped the meeting. A final statement from the meeting stopped short of condemning Russia, instead calling for the upholding of territorial sovereignty and international law. And a major earthquake in Morocco appears to have killed thousands and damaged historic sites include the old city of Marrakesh. I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. We'll be back again tomorrow.